Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB were looking back at Monday uh, with uh, calls, particularly from National, for a, uh, a dedicated MIQ facility to be built. An internment camp, basically, is what we're talking about. Somewhere tucked away safely where we can pretend that it's not happening. Um, an, an idea to stop people nicking e-bikes and uh, Marcus uh, he's got a he's got a thirst quenching drink question for you for the end of the pod uh, but first up yes the 10th anniversary of the Christchurch quake uh, Kate Hawksby's sister uh, you know she was affected because her house fell down obviously many many people had it a lot worse and if you live in Christchurch you live with that collective heartbreak all around you. But she says the sense of unity, in her community particularly, has stayed strong all these years. On the one-year anniversary of the quake, she and two girlfriends went and got kiakaha tattooed on their wrists. She said to remind them of the power of staying strong, the power of carrying on, seeing it through. There is criticism, of course, of how slow the rebuild has been, how much is still unfinished. There's ongoing pain for those battling EQC, those who lost their homes, their businesses, those who lost loved ones. But my sister says all of that shared trauma of getting your anxious kids through it, of trying to put back together broken homes and businesses, of staying put in the city you love, it's forged an ongoing sense of unity among Cantabrians. She's proud of how Christchurch has pulled itself together. She's proud of the stickability, the passion for the rebuild. So today for her marks not only all the horrors of 10 years ago, but also the hope and the pride in what Christchurch is now and the sense of shared community there is in a city she loves to call home. A lot of discussion yesterday over uh, where people were when uh, when it happened or when they heard the news. Um, Weirdly, I don't remember, um, but then I do have a very, very bad memory. What I do remember thinking is uh, how strange it was that suddenly there was an earthquake where there had never been earthquakes before. Uh, What does Andrew Dickens remember? Uh, I was at the first memorial in March of 2011, one month after the event. Prince William was there, and Prince William spoke. And he told tens of thousands of Cantabrians this. My grandmother... And we all know who she is. Uh, My grandmother once said that grief is the price we pay for love. Here today we love and we grieve. I thought he spoke very well. I saw a young lad who'd lost his mum and the boy was uncontrollably sobbing. It was just too much for him. Towards the end of the service, we looked towards the Port Hills and we saw hundreds of first responders walking right across Hagley Park to come and join us. And they were given a standing ovation. It was a blue sky day this March, 10 years ago. A kite was in the air saying, rise up Christchurch. I'm sure all these sentiments will be present today at the service, which has just kicked off. Uh, Because 10 years is no time at all, really. But also today, though, we see an Australian cricket side playing against the Black Claps in Hagley Park. Our best venue born out of the quake 10 years is no time at all really but at the same time look how far we've come um and lucky we weren't uh, living in these uh, pandemic times back then 
because uh, that would have been doubly disastrous, I'm sure. Uh, but now we are living in these pandemic times, uh, and I, I'm just looking at Boris Johnson announcing how England's going to, or the UK is going to come out of lockdown. And um, But he's also said that there, there, he doesn't see a route to a, a zero COVID world. And so, given that's the case, what are we going to do with people when they come into the country going forward? New Zealand cannot afford to keep yo-yoing in and out of lockdown. And poor old Auckland is bearing the brunt of these lockdowns. Uh, The Auckland economy can't afford to keep bleeding $30 million a day every time we go into lockdown. While employees probably enjoyed their three days off this week in Auckland, The kids probably enjoyed time out of school. It has caused major disruption in the city and that flow-on effect has gone throughout the rest of the country with the festivals and the events that have had to be cancelled or postponed or had people tearing their hair out. We are going to have to learn to live with COVID, vaccinations or no vaccinations. And it was quite extraordinary. I don't know if you were watching the tennis last night, but that annoying woman who was the head of Australian tennis... I mean, I was ready to boo her before the vaccination chat. But when she started talking about vaccinations, it was quite extraordinary. The crowd all started booing her immediately. She got quite the fright, I think. But I switched off then and went to bed. I couldn't be bothered listening to her anymore. But vaccinations or no vaccinations, we are going to have to learn to live with COVID because of the response to it from around the world. And if that means forking out for a purpose-built quarantine facility, then surely, given the money we have hemorrhaged in response to this virus, that is a small price to pay for continuing to live with COVID-19. I just get very nervous about this idea of locking people up out of sight Um, who haven't actually done anything anything wrong. I, I just look at what's happened with... You know, asylum seekers in Australia in the past, and now it's not quite the same situation, but there's just a few familiar things that make me itch slightly, uncomfortably. Anyway, let's like let's try and lighten the mood now and talk about gadgets. I love a gadget, uh, love an e-bike, but apparently there's these heaps being them uh, being nicked. E-bikes are being nicked, uh, but this guy reckons that the answer is to just stop selling people chargers. Uh, without a bike, because there's no point in stealing a bike you can't charge, right? What, what's brought this to your attention? You're getting a few phone calls from people who just want the charges. Yes, yes. It started about three months ago when I got the odd phone call, but it, then it's a bit more frequent. And when I asked them, well, you know, just give me your serial number of your bike, and then they kind of hang up. So I've seen a pattern there, and I thought, because... Our main customers are retirees, so like 60 plus, and they're quite vulnerable. And, and I thought, well, you know, I have to do so. Somebody has to do something about it. it has to speak up and, and sort of make it harder for those, I would call them rat eggs, really, you know. <laughs> and um, and yeah. I thought, well, an easy way, because that's, why don't we stop giving them what they ask for? So we, if we could combine us, we could make a big difference, you know. So do you reckon then, in that case, all e-bike retailers and, and people who sell these chargers need to stop selling them online and before you sell a charger, ask for proof of ownership of the bike? 
Well, I, I think it's a sensible solution to make it harder for them. Trouble is, um, if trends in the smartphone world or anything to go by, it's only a matter of time before when you buy your e-bike, you won't get the charger in the box. Anyway, do you still get your headphones in the box with your e-bike? Uh, little inside tech nerd joke there. Um, where wasn't I? Didn't say it was a good one. I just uh, we're going to finish up here with uh, Marcus asking really the probably one of the deeper, more probing questions obvious today. Here's a question for you: If you go out for a walk or a run, what's the, particularly in these hot summer days? What do you reckon would be the the most thirst quenching drink? What's your go to that's not beer? What's the one you think? Oh. I, don't, I reckon if someone asked me that question, they said, Marcus, what's your drink? they go, oh, the thirst quenching go-to, you'd say. What would it be? Occasionally it's a Bundaberg ginger beer, a bit too sweet. Occasionally it's a Coke, but to Atlanta. Don't know what the answer would be. Probably the most refreshing thing is sort of a lemonade with like a bit of a tart lemon in it. Seems to cut through the exhaust. What would it be? Maybe a cup of tea. What do you reckon it would be if we had a vote for what the most thirst-quenching thing would be? I think Coca-Cola would be the most delicious drink ever invented. I mean, it's extraordinary. You never go sick, grow sick of that. But it comes with a lot of problems. The packaging. The history. Yada, yada, yada. But what would be the most thirst-quenching drink? Wow, big raps from Marcus on Coke there. Um, I did not see that coming. I would not have picked... Um, I mean, I like Coke up to a point in that it goes nicely with bourbon. But I'm happy to just have the bourbon and not the Coke. We've strayed away a little bit from his initial question about the thirst-quenching drinks and just more on to my bourbon addiction. So let's end the podcast there. I'm Glenn ZB. That has been News Talk ZB. We'll be back with more tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.